The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. And today, a good friend and ministry partner of ours, Chris Emery, is joining. Chris, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, guys. Really excited. So, uh, Chris is an itinerant speaker, travels from place to place speaking, but he also is the lead pastor uh, in a church in Michigan. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about your church and your ministry? Uh, well, like you said, uh, I have the privilege and uh, blessing of getting to do uh, both itinerant speaking and traveling around and uh, experiencing what God is doing in a variety of locations around the country, but I also have that awesome privilege of leading a, a local church. Uh, we are a church that uh, is four years into a bit of a restart. Uh, it's a church that's been in the area for a long time, but uh, needed kind of a to, to rebuild from the ground up. And so we're four years into God, breathing new life into it, uh, drawing people in, mm. and uh, seeing a lot of exciting things. So we're, we're really enjoying uh, having a really great front row seat to what God is up to. Praise the Lord. What, uh, what initially called you to that ministry? Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been in local church ministry for about 27 years now. Uh, in a variety of roles, from student ministries to uh, church planning to uh, executive pastor roles and things. Um, this was really a, a scenario where, in a weird way, we almost felt God uh, giving us an option. Uh, we had a couple of choices on the table about four years ago of, of where we may find God leading us. and But he said, if you want to come to Bayview, uh, to Bayview Church, I'm not done with it. I want to do mm. something new. And if you're up for a challenge, uh, let's go. And my wife and I, we prayed about it and just felt like, yeah, we want to be a part of something like that. And we uh, we said, yeah, we're in. That's awesome. Uh, I can only imagine that under normal circumstances, it was a challenge. But under these current circumstances, it's been an extra challenge uh what what has that all been like for you guys as you've faced covid and all of the craziness of 2020 uh man uh, you know I, I, our challenge is probably uh i would imagine we have challenges that are that are common to churches across the board and then i would imagine we have other things that are unique to us uh whether they're a challenge or whether they have not been a challenge and so, obviously, I can rewind the clock back to I was sitting in a board meeting uh, that second week of March. Uh, the, the whole coronavirus thing was just beginning to hit the mainstream. Uh, we knew there was some potential of some pauses. And we actually began that board meeting with the mindset of, all right, let's, let's lay out how we're going to continue to do church safely. 
And in the course of 120 minutes, a two-hour board meeting, uh, by the end of that board meeting, due to things we were receiving in the, in the news, uh, text messages and emails we were getting about other churches' responses, by the end, we were mapping out how to close our doors for a few weeks. Wow. Uh, and that was a two-hour gap of how quickly mm. it changed. And, of course, we all know how that went after that. It seemed like the landscape and the dialogue changed every every other yeah. minute. It just was so and, – and nobody had a roadmap. None of us knew how this was supposed to go. Right. I I know from my own local church context that it was extremely difficult, especially from a leadership perspective, because you have people coming from both ends, you know, people who are really, really feeling like, hey, we need to institute these safety practices right now, right away. People on the other end of the spectrum who are saying it's all a hoax or the mask things symbolize something other than just being a mask and then everyone everywhere in between. And I just... I, I just know for our local church, it was extremely, extremely difficult to navigate. How did you guys kind of face some of those difficulties? Uh, you know, that's a good call, Nathan. That, that's spot on. Um, you know, in the early days, uh, we didn't sense that much because there was so much unknown. So in the early days, mm -hmm. it was like, let's respond, let's pivot, uh, let's, get on, let's get online. Uh, we were already streaming, so it wasn't as big of a change for us. It was, I think, as the weeks turned into months, and then those polarizing sides begin to form. And as our scientific community learned more and different opinions came out, then you begin to see this, uh, this, one opposite, this one side saying, you know, ultimate safety, shut it down, you know, hibernate, whatever. The other side, it's a hoax, it's a lie, it's political. And then you have everybody in between. And uh, the challenges came at multiple levels. As the church as a whole, I think our challenge was, um, how do we maintain a steady middle ground that still positions ourselves to be able to lovingly minister mm. to the individuals, no matter where they fall on that spectrum? Mm. And so we have got to be able to still love that person <clears throat> that has locked their doors and closed their blinds and, and taped, you know, filters all over the, every air duct, you know, <laughs> versus the person that is, you know, running around screaming, you know, I saw a guy holding a sign along the road, no lie, uh, holding a sign saying that wearing a mask is a test run for the mark of the beast. And I was like, so those are opposites, right? I mean, those are the two polar opposites. Um, and so how do we continue to maintain that middle ground? And where it began to wear on us as leaders is um, that it didn't matter the decision we made. There was always an ample supply of people telling us we were wrong yeah and, and i would imagine in a church the size of yours there was an extra ample amount <laughs> you know yes yes it didn't matter what you said it didn't matter what you did or the heart behind it um there was always somebody there pointing the finger you're doing it wrong and then you know and i get it fear we all know fear um anxiety uh, those are all things that, that, that wear an individual down, and it, it removes their ability to react rationally and calmly. And so I get it. I, I, we try to look past the reaction and try and identify what's driving that. It's fear. It's uncertainty. Um, it's, it's not making light of the situation. People are, people are dying. And so, yeah. um, but, man, it, it got hard. As leaders, there was just times we got, mm. we got tired. We're still tired. 
I mean, we're still tired, mm-hmm. without a doubt. What did you guys? Um, what did you guys end up doing as a church? How did you find that middle ground? What did that look like? Uh, so we returned to in-person gatherings uh, the second Sunday of June, and we decided to try and do our best to offer a safe place for everyone, no matter where you fell on that spectrum. So we offer, uh, we have two services where masks are required, or sorry, requested or optional, depending on the wording you want to use. But then we had one service in the middle, our third, our middle service is a service. We said this service will be masks required. That we, if you attend this one, you will keep your mask on the entire service uh, through singing and everything. Uh, that is by far our smallest attended service. Yeah. Uh, but we also recognize that that small gathering of people would not come to church without that opportunity. And so we feel fine. We feel good with that. And that, at least for us, it's, it's been a good place of we're, meeting, we're doing our best to meet the needs of everyone wherever they are. We're still at best. I think we're still only seeing maybe 65% of in-person numbers back. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people have been online since March with us. Yeah. So. What? Uh, I'm curious, Chris. How did you personally navigate and then lead the body of Christ that meets together at your church? How How did you lead in? When do we submit and when do we not submit to these regulations that are coming out? I mean, that's been a hot topic button debate going on. Yeah. I'd be fascinated to hear what you think about that. You read my mind. That was going to be my next question. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Um, you know, for us, um, and again, I, I, I always preface it for us, because I think any of us in church leadership uh, are doing our best to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what seems best for us. For myself, um, I felt that we had to continually uh, filter it through what was going to put us in the long-term position to share the love of Jesus with our community. Um, and so in those early days, the shutdown was probably not as much because I personally feared the virus or that we knew that much about it, but we did it to, to demonstrate our love for the people that were afraid and for those that might be at risk. And so we've continued, we've come back to that time and time again. Um, how does this affect our witness? How does this affect our position to best love and, 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 and get people into the kingdom? Because right. coronavirus is going to go away. We all, I mean, at some point, whether you think it's going to go away next week or next month <laughs> or next year or whatever it may be, I don't even care anymore. Um, it's going to go away, and it's going to have uh, – it, it's, it's going to be a history book thing. We're still dealing with eternity. And so how do we make sure that we're not hurting our witness while at the same time that we're not demonstrating how to run and hide in fear? Mm-hmm. And so it is. It's, it's a very fine line to walk. Uh, early on in this, uh, myself and another one of our Forge speakers, John Vermilia, he and I uh, reached out and we formed a, a community group of all the other lead pastors in our region. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invited all of them. We ended up with about 20 of us. And so through the coronavirus time, we've stayed in constant communication with that group of lead pastors and feeding off each other's wisdom and listening and even being okay that some of us are responding at different paces right. and levels. So that's been another great help for me, um, not relying just on my own thought process. I think that's helpful, especially in a time like this where there is nothing known. It's totally unknown to say, man, uh, 
let's let's talk about this. Let's get some more ideas going. And um, I I think that you what you shared really has been a balanced approach. You haven't given up gathering. You're still meeting together as the body of Christ, uh, but you're still doing your best to respect those who are maybe worried about it or not believers yet, so that you can be a witness to them and say, hey, we understand your fears are legitimate, um, but here's what we do as believers. Um, how how would you respond to uh, someone who said, man, Chris, why why did you guys shut down at all if Jesus said we need to gather together and don't forsake the gathering? Um, is is there a certain time frame that's okay? Or how long is too long to not gather together as believers? Uh, what does that, navigating that kind of question look like for you? Uh, you know, that's a good one. That's a, that's a tough question. Uh, depending on who's, who's bringing it to me, it can be a trap question. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, it can be somebody pick, looking to pick a fight or somebody genuinely wanting mm. to know. Um, and so, uh, you know, our best place we've been on that one uh, is in the early days. Uh, in those, those, those early days, it was listening to uh, what was going on around us. It was, again, demonstrating our love for people by putting safety above that, uh, we also recognized that we weren't, we weren't forsaking or stopping any level of gathering. We just didn't get to do it in the way we prefer. Uh, mm. We prefer to be in the same room, same time, worshiping and, uh, all together, um, but that just wasn't an option right in the moment. And so that's why we worked hard to continue to gather digitally and online and continue to put, uh, to put that opportunity in the lap of everyone. Uh, we went through uh, the list of people that we thought in our in our church family that might not have internet or might not have a device, and we were exploring how do we mm. how do we help provide them uh, the technology to continue to gather. And so we never felt like we stopped gathering; it just wasn't the way we wanted to do it or we prefer to do it. Um, you know, God demonstrated in some profoundly supernatural ways that uh, He had a plan for those times. Because I can think of four individuals that uh, are, are now not just in our church family, they're in the kingdom family, mm. and they would not come to church. Their wives, their four husbands, and their wives were trying for, for months, a couple of them for a couple of years, and all of these gentlemen finally decided they would attend church, so to speak, on the couch during the shutdown, and they all four got saved. Wow. And, you know, they are all four walking with Jesus. Uh, a couple of them are like crazy involved. We were we were just talking about one today that a year ago now, the conversations we were having with his wife and family about the state of his life, his alcoholism, his porn addiction, uh, the type of husband and father he was, to to what we see now, to where here's a guy that, that is digging into the day, his wife, theological discussions at home. I mean, we're talking 10, 11 months. And it's because he found Jesus sitting on that couch. And mm. so, as we all know, I mean, we've seen it through on the Ford side of things. Uh, just because we don't get to do it the way we wanted to do it, God never stopped. Amen. We never, we never stopped gathering. We never stopped uh, loving God. The Holy Spirit never stopped convicting. And people never stopped responding. We just didn't get to see it face-to-face -face for a little while. Right. I... I think what you just shared is really powerful that God was still at work. He didn't stop working. And I think, uh, especially in the West, um, we, Nathan and I have traveled around a lot. You know that. 
but especially in the uh -huh. West, we have our comfortability, the way things are, and all of a sudden, if that's shaken, oh no, God's not going to be at work anymore. I, I don't know what's going on. No, maybe God wants to shake things up because there are going to be people that are reached in a time when everything around them is crumbling. And we can say, hey, everything around you is shaking and crumbling, but I can tell you about the kingdom that cannot be shaken, the unshakable kingdom, according to Hebrews 12. And it kind of sounds like these four four guys experienced and discovered that kingdom in the midst of everything else shaking. You are spot on. And uh, yeah, and what you said is it's, We've actually talked about that here with our church gatherings, and that is that, uh, you know, the church, uh, the Big C Church, I think we got caught in a space of uh, having to put our money where our mouth was. Mm. Because how long have we sung the songs and the hymns of nothing but Jesus, all I need is you? Yeah. Uh, how many times have we even said, you can take it all away, take away the comfort of our of our chairs and, and of our gathering spaces, and we can survive on just Jesus, and we talked that talk, but then all of a sudden all of it was removed, and we were left with one thing, mm. Jesus. Yep. And we panicked, and we freaked out, and we got all in an uproar about the things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with our political rights. I, I hate to burst any bubbles. Yeah. You mm. know, uh, God did not send Jesus to advocate for political reform, he sent him for life transformation, and that never changed, no matter what's going on around us. And and the, if there was something political, it was his kingdom come and his will be done, uh, not not some kind of temporal earthly kingdom that will be here today right. and gone tomorrow. Yeah, I that's right. think that's massively important that uh, we focus on Jesus and his kingdom above all else. What, wherever you land on the spectrum, and not that the things here are not important, that we want to see people's livelihood and, and rights and humanity uplifted in a good way, but are our eyes fixed only on that or beyond that to the things that are going to last forever? Uh, we, we think about the context of the scriptures where the apostles, the disciples, the everyday believers, all of them going out preaching Jesus from place to place and suffering and being killed. For that, under a, a rule that that just absolutely abhorred and burned Christians at the stake to light up their gardens, basically, and uh, man, that's they still proclaim Jesus. They, their eyes were fixed on the eternal reality before them. I agree. And you guys have traveled enough. I mean, you guys have been all over the world. You've been to places where Christianity is is illegal, um, and so it'd be like it'd be like the two of you traveling to, to some of those small house gatherings that are meeting in secret because of the threat of their very lives and and taking in our western mindset and telling them that they're not gathering for real right yeah you guys better get your your steeple out there and put it on top with a cross <laughs> what are we told or two or three are gathered man and uh and so yeah i i think this has rattled the core of of the western church and I pray and I hope that it's rattled us for the good and that it's shaking off the mm. chaff and uh, the comfort and the things that have become a hindrance to what God wants to do. And, it's, uh, that's my prayer. Absolutely. Amen. It certainly is like separating those who were 
cultural Christians who came to Sunday because it was the thing to do, I guess. And and uh, those who are really, truly following Jesus, we're seeing a, a real sifting happening for sure. What do you think, Chris, uh, is going to last out of this season? A lot of people are saying uh, it's it's going to come and it's going to go. Everything's going back to normal. Others are saying you're foolish if you think that. It's it's done. It's changed. Things aren't going to ever go back to normal. And we know that there might be pieces of truth on both sides of those statements, that some things will go back to normal and some things might be changed for forever, for the rest of our days. Uh, what what do you think is here to stay? Uh, what what do you think that this season has caused in general, maybe for the church that maybe positive or negative is here to stay? Um, I think, the, uh, you know, on the negative side, um, I think that it has helped the casual Christian uh, take another step away mm-hmm. uh, because now they can uh, they can attend church from home. Uh, and for a lot of them, that means they just won't attend. Uh, but they, they have a past. They can say that. Um, and uh, in fact, I had a chance uh, back in. Uh, late September to head over to Chicago and spend a couple days with Ed Stetzer, and he was sharing with us. It was a small group of pastors, about ten of us, and he was sharing um, that that that's what all the the the, the stats, all the guys are seeing, all the experts are seeing that it, those who were casual, uh, they're not coming back. Uh, yeah. And he said basically, if you have twenty rows in your church, uh, the last five are gone. Don't they're not coming back. Yeah. And for them to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm going online or I'm not going to go, it's like they're not really fulfilling the fullness of what church is, Ecclesia, the fellowship, the gathering, the word, the, the breaking of bread, the prayer, all of that togetherness that Jesus yeah. desires for us. I think they miss all of that. I think they do, and, 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 I, and I'm cautious in saying that because I obviously, as I shared with you already, uh, we've seen – the the spiritual fruit of what God can do yeah. to someone watching on on their couch. So I, I, again, not saying that God doesn't move in those ways, but we are built for for a companionship. We're not meant to be alone. We're built we're built for fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we go back to the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity is we're made in God's image. That I mean, that's a fellowship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I mean, from the very core of our creation we're built for this fellowship and there are people that are going to think that they can have that digitally and be fully fulfilled and so i just don't think they can um but i think that there's a positive opportunity i think that maybe this time away those who have been isolated maybe this has been a moment of a great awakening within them a recognition that their soul longs for something mm. that was god instilled and and they 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 want to come experience that they they need to be with people, and so I believe if the church will will recognize that, uh, and I I don't want to say that we leverage it because that sounds like we're using it for our own benefit, but if we leverage it for the kingdom, yeah, mm. uh, and put it in a place where people now will be discipled and they will find strength in growing together as we go closer to Christ. Well, I believe that we can see something significant come out of this time, um, right. So I, I think there's a lot of good in, in that realm. Um, I think there are some things that are here to stay. Uh, that I, I mean, whether we – interesting thing is this. I was on the fence pre-COVID about live stream our services. We would put everything out digitally, mm-hmm. uh, but I was on the fence because I was like, well, I don't know if we should. 
Well, we fully obviously stepped into that. That's staying forever. I don't think, I think if you're a church moving forward and you think there's going to come a day where you can turn your cameras off <laughs> and stop live streaming, uh, man, you might need to go ahead and think about closing your doors. I don't, I, I think, I don't think you can survive. So yeah, so we live stream all three services, but I think it's still creating opportunities to pull people into fellowship. Uh, so I think that's here to stay. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we have found ourselves uh, through these last six months, particularly. Where, this sounds bad, but there's been moments where I've stopped and said, "Hey, thanks, COVID. Wow, yeah. we wouldn't have, we would have thought of that. We wouldn't have experienced that. We would not have heard the Holy Spirit guiding us down this if it weren't for this time." And so I think we're told to give uh, give thanks in all situations. I'm not thanking God for the virus. I'm not thanking God for those that are sick or those who've lost loved ones. We've lost people in our church due mm. to COVID. But I am thanking God for what He is doing through this valley and through these challenging times. Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of what you just said is absolutely on point. You know, one thing that you said really a lot, but you talked about it a little bit earlier, was how tired uh, every leader is in a church. And uh, I was just curious, as a leader in a church, how can us as fellow believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, come alongside our, the leaders in our local churches um, to give them encouragement, maybe to take a burden off their back? What, what kinds of things do you think could happen there? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so three, well, four weeks ago now in Michigan, our governor uh, put us on another, what she called a pause and it was taking us backwards in our restrictions a little bit. We as a church made a slight pivot. We didn't, we didn't shut anything down, but we made a slight pivot for those three weeks as a response of doing our best again to, to demonstrate our love for everybody that we're listening. Uh, in the first 12 hours of going public with our response, I received a, a huge number of emails, messages, responses in different formats. The large majority of those were very harsh responses of how wrong we were, uh, how wrong I was, um, to the point of a couple of them questioning my love for Jesus mm. if this was my response. Um, but in the midst of all of those, I had a handful come through that didn't necessarily say they re agreed, but what they said is, we're praying for you. We recognize that church leaders are in a no-win situation, and we acknowledge that this is tough, and thank you for leading through this tough time. Yeah. That meant more to me than, than anything else that could have been said. And even if they agree with me or not, just recognizing that we're all doing the best we can. And, and to receive those thank yous, in fact, it was interesting. I even had a card come in that week, and in the in the card was a coupon for two free ice cream cones. And it was a note from a family that has never stepped foot in our door. They only attend online. And it was a thank you for mm. doing our very best to lead mm. well during this. That, that, that went a huge. So, I mean, just acknowledging and expressing the gratitude uh, for the fact that they're doing their best. Yeah, I know we've not, we, we don't have it all right. We don't we don't know how this is supposed to go. We're we're making up as we go. Of course, that's probably the secret of ministry in general. We're making yeah. up as we go, but um, but more so now than ever. And so I'd say Nate, that's a big part. It's just that um, because it's 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 tiring leading. Here's another thing that's really made it. 
I think a lot of church leaders would agree with this, is it's not just that we're being told we're wrong, but we actually are not in a position where we can even express how we really feel about it. Mm. I have yet, I never will in a public forum, I, 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 I don't think I, I can. I, I don't share how I view it. I don't share how I view about masks or what I think about the virus or the, because I, I can't choose a side. That's not yeah. going to put me in the best position to love and minister to people. But that gets tiring too. You know, yeah, so. exhausting. I and I would just encourage everyone out there who might be listening. Uh, you know, I understand that everybody has their their opinions, and but uh, I think we should all probably take a note from James: be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, you yeah. might be right, but you also might be wrong. So it's important for us to to consider and not react emotionally and not. In, in all reality, what we're doing is we're taking our emotional reaction and vomiting it onto our leaders. And then our leaders are having to sift through all of that emotional vomit and figure out what's real and what's fake. And like, if you're out there thinking that church leaders have just been like burying their heads in the sand and pretending that things are not happening, you're maybe a very, very small percentage. But I think there's a lot of pastors out there just like Chris who are just really, really, really at their very gut trying to do the best they can to honor God, to honor the word of God and to honor the people in their churches. And it's just really hard. This is one. This has been a year of really bad answers to really difficult questions. Like there's a hard answer, and then there's a harder answer, and then there's a really hard answer. And so, what are we going to go with? Yeah, I think uh, a, another aspect about this is Galatians: bear one another's burdens, and love one another, and lift each other up. And uh, just you guys, pastors are are no less human. Uh, spiritual leaders are no less human than anybody else who attends just because they get up and preach the word of God doesn't make them any different. Uh, they still feel the same things, deal with the same things, struggle through the same things and have to navigate it. And at the same time say, let me help you, everybody else navigate it too. <laughs> and so that's a big burden yeah. and a big weight. And to say, hey, why not try doing some of these things? You may agree. You may disagree with the decision. Uh, but it's not a salvation issue. It's not a, a foundational faith issue necessarily. Uh, then, hey, agree to disagree. How can how can you love? How can you bear one another's burdens in the midst of this? And I, I think of scriptures like Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, man, let's 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 help out our spiritual leaders and not force their job to be one with groaning. Uh, <laughs> man, you suck! I can't believe you made that decision. I think that's the groaning side of it. Did you just uh, cuss on the podcast? So, <laughs> so uh, I think that's that's an important aspect that we don't forget those same scriptures that we're reading and saying, well, we have the freedom to meet, and Jesus told us to meet. Yes, He did, and yes, we yeah. do. But let's at the same time make sure that we honor our leaders and don't give them a harder job in shepherding our souls. Amen. Amen. Encourage them, pray for them, support them. I'll, I'll go to one more little thing out there uh, for all of you that attend a local church. And so I'm going to speak for all the local pastors out there. Um, do me a favor. Stop sending them links to articles about the coronavirus. 
guarantee you, they have read what you've read. They know where Fox News is. They know where CNN is. They know how to read the CDC. Stop sending them links. They hey, Chris, can. I think there, <laughs> there's this article I read last week. No, I'm just kidding. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been fun. <laughs> well, Chris, this has been an ex- a really productive time. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time and all of your wisdom. It's been really, really great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you for having me. Thank you for all you're doing to keep uh, you know, keep pushing the kingdom and, and getting the name of Jesus out there. So well done. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, if uh, anybody wants to connect with you or learn more about your church, how can they do that? Uh, they can just go to our website, bayviewchurch.net. Great. And uh, that homepage, that'll kick them to all of our social media, emails, downloads, whatever they want from there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. God bless you.